<laughs> what you mean? You don't you don't get the random Did text you, message? Yeah, you ain't got the messages from people telling yeah, you to go that, out and vote. Yeah, bro, they have called me Jalil, Patty, bro. Um, I get them. How do they have my number, bro? I don't know. I don't know how they get my number, but literally, I just been hitting stop, stop, and stop. they still be continuing. And they still be they still be continuing. And the new iPhone let you report junk, but it doesn't fix it because then they get to send it again yeah bro nah it's crazy Boy. if you if you have not if you have not voted please go out and that's vote. why it's because i haven't voted no yeah, it's just because well, they I mean, have your information and then if they do it in email and you click unsubscribe they make you provide them information you never gave them to unsubscribe <laughs> boy <laughs> we actually need your email so that you can uh you, we need a new email for you so you can send it they didn't text me with the hashtag we won't black down <laughs> Bro, who be sending these messages? Bro, and I don't know. I'm starting to think that they be sending these from their personal phones. They because do. I'm like, how did you? Hey, Dante, this is Mari. I'm a volunteer with Black Voters Matter. Right. Early voting has started. Hi, Dante. The power <laughs> of our votes lifted kids out of poverty and capped insulin rates. Will you be a voter again? Have you ever responded? No. So so I respond every now and then and then there's another group that will text me about buying my house just randomly like we we purchase houses. Would you be willing to sell yours? And I'd send them the uh, gif of Dr. Evil saying one million dollars <laughs> every time. So you're trolling the people telling us to vote every time. This is America. Let's start, start the pot. <laughs> What up, though? Welcome back to another episode of the Soundboard Podcast, episode 61. Yes, sir. And it's your boy, JJ. And I'm here with my boy. Your boy, Dante. And my boy. Yo, this is Presidential Pat. (laughs) Produced by. BKJB. And our boy Coop is not in the building today. He's not. He could not. But he is with us in spirit. This is our first episode without one of us being here. And I don't really know how to feel. That's disrespectful. Because I mean, definitely, definitely I definitely have been. What episode were you not here? This was earlier on. Oh, you must be forgettable. <laughs> uh, the disrespect. <laughs> oh no, you weren't. I was. He was. Because oh. that's when Nick was on. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first episode Coop ain't been on. This is the first episode Coop has not been on. I'm sorry. That's my partner in crime. So. <laughs> but this is the Soundboard Podcast. This is where we come together as black men and just give you our perspective. We talk about life. We are each other's soundboard. Yep. And so we bounce ideas off of each other. We also ask ourselves the question, are we tripping? Yep. You know, we can bring things to each other. And then we you, you we view you as our community, as the soundboard as well. But Dante, what's been up with you, man? Hey, man. So you remember last episode, we had a conversation about the candid conversations um, that uh, I was a part of. And man, shout out to the homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The homies pulled up to support me for candid conversations, man. Before before that, pulled up to the uh to the uh, uh IG live. Oh, y'all did, y'all did. So y'all pulled up to the live, man, and it just really made me realize that like I have a strong unit 
of homies that really be supporting whatever endeavor I have. And it ain't even no pyramid scheme. I done sat through some of them for y'all too. But it ain't even, it's some helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thankful for y'all, man. So we had candid conversations. We had a lot of dudes show up, man. And it just made me realize that there are men who really don't have community. Like yeah. there are men who don't have people speaking into their life. So one of the activities uh, that we did, which I thought was super, super cool, was you had one guy talking and you had to listen and y'all basically took turns. And you not only had to listen, if you were a listener, you had to uh, listen to what he said without talking, but then you had to repeat back to him what he said. Um, and that was, I, was that difficult for you? No, I actually enjoy not talking contrary to popular belief <laughs> why people, is it popular people be make because people i think when people meet me they're like oh dante wants to like talk and be around people and that's not necessarily always the case mm. um but it was dope because a lot of guys in the room were like yo people don't necessarily i don't always feel heard yeah like i don't always feel heard at home or at work and so um, it it was just a dope it was just a dope evening, man. We had a good time. It was so dope, man. The guys didn't want to leave, bro. It was they didn't want to leave. Like we had to kick boys out because we was like, hey fellas, it's over, but stay tuned for the next one. So shout out to Dr. G for putting that on Candid Conversations. That's what's up, bro. She had us up there dancing. Oh yeah, JJ. <laughs> I was like, what's, so, what's she gonna ask? Um she asked whose birthday month uh whose birthday is it in October? Yep. Everybody's birthday was in October, had to come to the front. Then she was like, Y'all gonna be the dancers. <laughs> in a room full of men. In a room bro. full of men. In a room full of men. Bro, I ain't no dancer. But had us up there doing uh Meringue. Meringue. What's Meringue. that? <laughs> it's like a a Latin dance. Oh. Is that like the macarena? No, 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 no. It's like <laughs> You're it's so like, uncultured. It's like I salsa, am. bro. Oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's like, kind of like salsa. So you yeah. you was up there, doing yeah, yeah, with salsa. the hip action. Yeah, yeah. She showed us how to do it, and then and then JJ JJ did it, bro. It's actually hilarious, but it was it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, man. Like you know you don't think it's hard to get dudes to be active in that kind of stuff, like dancing and having a good time. But yeah. it, it really was an enjoyable time. So shout out to the homies for pulling up. So you showed up to support and ended up having the salsa. I did, yeah, and all this because uh, I support my boy. Hey. Mm-hmm. He did a great job, you know. Dante oftentimes no, tries to be no, humble. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what they did, bro. So a constant struggle for me is so I I, I got tasked with giving the welcome at this event. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on this welcome all week. I'm like, how can I open up this event and just let this be the rally for the fellas? I get to the event, Justin. And JJ talking about, nah, be yourself, bro. Be yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I don't want to be myself. So they get in my head about being myself, and I get up there, and I just start fumbling. You wasn't fumbling? To me, it wasn't the quality that I enjoyed. I thought you did a good job, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Dante be hard on himself, but he he got out there. He killed it to me. He actually, Jeremy did text me and tell me you did a great job. Yeah, I sent one of them questions to Pat. Oh, Pat, you sent the question to Pat? Yeah, and Pat gave me a thorough answer. Good. I'm glad you did that because at first, so one of the tasks was you had to ask ask guys ask guys that you know questions. And because the the ultimate idea was 
as men, we don't get the opportunity to have people speak life into us. So one of the things was you had to send these questions to you have to send these questions to somebody so that you can essentially get an answer back and see what they thought about you. What was the questions, Pat? So the the questions were, how have I helped you? Mm -hmm. What are my strengths? What do you consider my superpower? What did you say was JJ's superpower? I'm intrigued. Discernment. (laughs) Discernment. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Discernment's a good one. Yeah, bro, that's good. That's good. I I actually um I actually sent it out to my homeboy and um one of the other one of the other things that you were supposed to say is like what is something that I could be more aware of and he said that I am a control freak. <laughs> that I needed to let things go. <laughs> mm, I could agree. <laughs> he said I was a control freak. But he said my superpower was being able to juggle many projects and not seem stressed and I said Keyword seen because <laughs> I be stressed. So yeah, fellas, that's what's up, man. That's 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 what was up on my end. JJ, what you been up to? Well, you know, this week I uh, actually tried something new. I tried okay. something for the very first time. Salsa, merengue. <laughs> I was like, where this going? <laughs> nah. So uh, at, at work, bro, um, we had a uh, a lunch outing, and um, with your coworkers. Yeah, bro. It was kind of like a. Yeah, one of those things you don't want to miss type of deals. Okay. Team building. Yeah, team building, engagement activities. And I ain't been to the last one, so I, I needed to go to this one. Yeah, you got to go, bro. Yeah, so um, we had a, a team building, team engagement lunch. And we went to Pho District. And I never had Pho before. P-H-O. P-H-O. Mm-hmm. Have y'all had Pho? I thought it was Pho. It's Pho. It's Pho. Yeah, because there's a restaurant called No Pho King Way. Like fucking way, you know. That's it's creative. Like I like that. Yeah, play, nice play on words. We didn't go to that one, but we went to Fu District, and uh, I never had Fu. I never had Fu before, and um, hmm. I don't think that this is a food I should have got like at a small table, an intimate table with coworkers. What's what? interesting is that we went to uh, Fu District, and I'm the only person who got Fu. What? No, what? Everybody else get sushi. They got um, like um, chicken fried rice and some mm, other type of dishes. But they said that you don't want to get, they didn't want to get the pho because it's like a big bowl of soup, it basically. Is. Yeah. And be splashing okay. everywhere. It do. And you be over here. Have you ever tried to, you, there's no way that you can't get the liquid on place where you like sucking the noodles. Whoa. That's what You know what I mean? <laughs> Y'all know what I mean, guys. You know, when you're like, did the noodle just okay? I didn't know what pho or pho was until just now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Had no so idea. you've never. Had I've it. heard people talk about it all the time. I just Did. never had it. So I obviously hadn't heard people talk about it because I didn't even know how it was pronounced. <laughs> it's, I heard about it back in college. Was it? Was it? Was it good to you? I didn't. Enjoy it, it. it, bro. I'm not a soup person, honest. So like, I don't even really like soup like that. But it was straight. I would eat it again. Yeah. I just wouldn't eat it in a, at that setting, but I would eat it again. I did a really good job. People was watching me at the table, bro. Then no splashes. Took me a long time to eat it, but no splashes, bro. Do you? Is it with a ladle or? Oh come on now, Pat. Like, no, I'm a like, spoon? how do you like? Yeah, so you no, spoon. no regular. They gave you a regular spoon. No, no, no. They a, gave, a they gave us a, a ladle. You're not That's cultured. What I just asked. You're not you just cultured. Said that. Not cultured. 
He just said that. That's why I'm agreeing with him. I'm like, it's a little ladle. It's a ladle. Yeah, they gave me a ladle. Did you uh, scoop it away from you or toward you? Toward me. So that's how you don't splash yourself. You go away from yourself. I didn't splash myself. Well, and I took the. This is uncultured. So for you not you, to this, have this, eaten it, this, how do you know how to splash and not splash? No, that's how you're supposed to eat soup. If you're oh. ever in a like professional type setting, <laughs> you see how you trying to play us? No, 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 I know you don't be in that too often. No, like dinner etiquette type deal. You don't because it prevents. You know what the, dinner etiquette is? No, so <laughs> it, it, it prevents you from doing the slurping stuff that you just was talking now, about. No, I'm a yeah. slurp because you could. You, now you, you all at dinner slurping it. noodles. <laughs> I'm gonna be me in any situation, and that's why we like you. Hey, but yeah, it was good, bro. I would definitely recommend for you to maybe maybe take go out on a date night and, and try it or something. But it was cool, especially as the temperature changes and it gets it gets cold. Yeah, bro, it's mm. actually cold in Texas. Yeah, it is for sure, but. We have here today our boy Patrick, and Patrick is in town for the weekend. We know y'all love Pat, or at least Pat loves Pat. <laughs> y'all just mad because I was a part of the highest rated episode. Oh. Patrick been trying to get back on the pod since he was last on the pod, mm-hmm. and so y'all probably remember him. He was on our, he was on the uh, uh, the Bachelor weekend episode. When we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, he gave his viewpoints on just marriage and mm-hmm. all that. And so, Pat, it is so good to have you back, bro. Appreciate it, man. Happy to be here. You know, I love the Soundboard Podcast. Again, this is Presidential Pat. That's more than a name. Come it's on. It's a state of Come mind. On, let him know. Okay. Okay. So, Pat. Presidential Pat. What brings you back to the DFW, King? So, I am in town for Paul Quinn's homecoming. And that's your alma mater? Yes. Paul Quinn College. Uh, South Dallas HBCU, the only HBCU in Dallas, Texas, oldest HBCU west of the Mississippi. Oh, okay. He wanted to give us it. Okay, people from HBCUs. Right. Okay. <laughs> and we went to we went to UTA PWI. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, no, so I'm back in town for homecoming, uh, but also to record with you guys. Okay, so Pat. This is I'm missing everybody at the HBCU homecoming, and to a certain extent, I'm a little jealous. So I ain't gonna even I ain't gonna even lie to you because there is a camaraderie that I believe comes with an an HBCU. Did you want to go to an HBCU? Like, how did you end up at Paul Quinn? Because I grown up in Dallas, and I didn't even know Paul Quinn was there. So going to an HBCU didn't enter my mind until I lived with Jeremy my senior year. And him and his family talked about Southern all the time. Oh, okay. And I didn't feel comfortable traveling to try and go to a school outside of Texas because that's where I lived for the you know past few years. So mm-hmm. uh, one of my mentors actually pulled me in the office and asked me if I wanted to play baseball in college. And I said, yes. And he said, well, I, I know a college up the street that's looking for somebody to beat their pitcher. You want to be that guy? Yes. Uh, he took out a cell phone, called somebody, ended up being one of his college roommates from back in the day who was an athletic director at Paul Quinn, told him my SAT scores. He offered me a full scholarship. That was the last thing I needed here. Wait, 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 wait. Told him the SAT score. So Pat always been smart. Student athlete. He always been smart. So you played baseball? I did. Bro, I did not know that. Yeah. He got an arm on him. Pat, I didn't, I didn't even know this about you. So you end up going to you end up going to Paul Quinn. 
what was that experience like for you? Because from high school, did you go to a high school with a lot of black people? Uh, it was like diverse, bro. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was good like a mix. mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty mixed. But now you're actually y'all both went to y'all both went away to HBCUs. So now you're in school with nothing but black people. Yes, Our there were there, black there were three white folks at the school, and that's not an exaggeration. So I how think the only white white people or non-black people that I seen at Southern in, were administration. Nah. Oh, there was a couple in administration, but it, I'm talking about student population was they were athletes. I can believe that. Yeah, I can believe that. So, what was that experience like for you, Pat? Game changing. Um, it drove home that family aspect. You know, like you were talking about seeing folks go home to homecoming. Uh, one of the best things about homecoming is you almost feel like you get uh, supercharged again. So you go home, you see folks that knew you at 18, saw you grow up, you know, from that point when they met you, they were already grown or maybe they were at the same age, but now you've literally grown up in front of them and they're pouring back into you the same way they did from day one, telling you how proud I had so many folks Thursday tell me, fatherhood looks good on you. You know, man, we're so proud of you. Just keep after it. And when you hear those things and you hear them from people that you consider family, you can't help but feel energized, help, you know, feel better about what you're doing and want to go do it at an even higher level. And that's exactly how it was even when I was there as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They were consistently, constantly pouring into me. Dang, bro, that's so good. So how would you say that experience shaped your mind as you transitioned out of college into the real world? Excellence. It became something that uh, you expect and that you strive for. It's not something that uh, you're told when you go to a PWI that, you know, you're a number, you're in these big classes, you, you're competing against uh, individuals who frankly have better resources than you. When you're at an HBCU, oftentimes you know, you're pulling your resources together, you're figuring a way out. And so I was able to make a way when there wasn't a way. I'm right. able to walk into a boardroom even today and I can talk to anyone in that boardroom about whatever we need to talk about. I can relate to people at such a higher level. You know, going to HBCU, you are surrounded by so many diverse, unique individuals that become your friends right. that you then are able to go out into the world and relate to folks. I, I literally have not walked into a single room and felt like I could not connect. Dang, bro. That's dope. Cause I don't feel like you would hear that. I think when most people think of HBCU, they don't feel they don't, they probably would miss that element of it right. because they're thinking about just associating with black people, but not realizing the diversity that's within the black population, population, the black diaspora. Like it's so many different type of black people that you see at HBCU. And that's something I didn't see whenever we were in high school. But whenever I transitioned to Southern, bro, it's all kind of black people out here. (laughs) No, no. And that's really what it comes down to. You start realizing that uh, there are certain components of being black in America or black in the world that you're related, you know, immediately, you know, friend, kinship. But then being black in South Central Los Angeles is different than being black in Chicago. Right. Or being black in Virginia Beach or in Portland, Oregon. Like, you know, you live a different lifestyle. You're exposed to different things. And then there's at HBCUs, you have a big uh, international student, 
you know, so you're getting students from Africa, you're getting students from Bahamas, right. Jamaica, right. Uh, you know, all of these different countries, South America, you know, and so you, you start to see that there are things that are similar, even though they're coming from a different country, but then there are extreme differences and you get to know them and over, you know, whether it be playing pool, domino, shooting dice, you know, <laughs> whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> you build these bonds and find, as Jeremy said, that there are so many different versions of black, even though the outside world may perpetuate the same mm-hmm. as one. So Pat, on our last episode, we talked about this um, kind of this idea or this need for men in general to have somebody that kind of held them accountable, somebody that they submitted to. And I've heard that people, when they go to HBCUs, it feels like a family. Your teachers don't just see you as a number. Um, They also just kind of hold you to a certain standard of excellence. Was that your experience? Because based on the last episode, we said that we felt like a lot of us lost that when we went from high school to college. Would, Would you say that that was or was not your experience? Definitely. So I will never forget, um, you know, 2008, Barack Obama comes president. We celebrated. Facts. All night long. I can Facts. only imagine. I can only imagine <laughs> being at HBCU when, when my president is black, That's my Lambo's blue. Everybody ran to the computer lab to get on a computer to be able to put that on, you know, their Facebook, their MySpace, everything. <laughs> Well, the next morning, I had a world civilization test, and I got a 25 on it. And Miss Matthews called me and scheduled a meeting with me, the president, and one of my family members to talk about my performance. For real? Wait, yes. wait, wait. <laughs> That's when you know it's real, when he remembered the name, right. the class. She <laughs> called a meeting with you, the president of the school? Yes. And one of your family members? Yes. Because you made it 25? Because I made it 25 on that test. And we needed to discuss my performance and what I, the potential I was wasting. Bro, that's the holding you to that. It's the holding you to the it's standard the for me. <laughs> no, no, no. So it, wait, so how did this meeting go? Uh, Uncomfortably. I had three grownups who I respected and loved looking at me, shaking their head, wondering if I was about to waste an opportunity of a free scholarship, you know, a free ride to go to college uh, because I wanted to party. And I had to quickly, you know, promise that it wouldn't happen again, that I'd get my stuff together. Uh, And I did, thankfully. But it was a very uncomfortable meeting. And that's just one instance. I mean, there I was forced to run for student government. I didn't want to. They literally put my name <laughs> in the ballot. You didn't take it out? <laughs> no, no. And made me, you know, they're like, all right, and next up for a uh, freshman vice president, uh, Patrick Hillard, come give your speech. I'm like, in front of all of these students, I did not want to do this. Why are you making me do this? Right. Look at you now. Presidential pack. it all makes sense so pat even with that so even with that experience would you say your transition from college to the real world 
do you still have that accountability either to somebody at the school or have you made another connection outside of that? Cause I'm really intrigued. We got a lot of people who were saying that, um, that they didn't have that accountability and they think that's one of the biggest things that especially us as men of color are missing is that we don't have that. We don't have anybody to submit to. Do you say that you, would you say that you have that? Yes. So on the last episode, you guys talked about how when you're playing sports growing up, coaches put in your life right mm-hmm. and then you go into real world and there's no coach right right i recognize the need for a coach at all times and so i have at every venture everything that i've ever done i go look for a coach okay i find the person who's doing what i want to do or doing it at a level that i think is excellent and i say hello my name is patrick how do i do what you're doing no, that's fact, bro. Pat definitely will go into a room. Is that not awkward to you? Why? Okay, so are these people that you are these people that you know? Or these are people that you like? I see you doing something excellent. I just want to get to know you so you can take me under your wing. Are these random people? That's or awkward to you? Know? Yeah. To so, so I look at it this way: everyone's a stranger until you meet them. Okay. And once you meet them, you they're not then, a stranger. They're not a stranger. Networking is all about introducing yourself. And once you've made the introductions and followed up and build that foundation, that relationship, then it's not awkward anymore. I have multiple people who are in my life right now who work at other firms, judges, uh, clerks. I mean, just people who are, quote unquote, important, who I consistently text. Hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I talk to I, I you know, pull their coattail. Do you like so after you make these connections? Because there's a lot of connections that you have. Because anytime I hit Pat up, he'd be like, "Oh, I know so and so. Like I know somebody. If you get if you if I'm interested in something, if I need something, like oh, I know somebody that does this. Do you keep? How do you keep up with them connections? Like, is it just an introduction, or do you, are you strategic about also like maintaining those relationships? There is a thought process. So I give a presentation every year to the law students at University of Memphis on networking. And part of it is explaining how to follow up, how to connect, make sure that you keep building. Mm-hmm. It. And so what starts as a conversation over a, you know, a drink at a happy hour, then turns into a lunch, then turns into going to an event together, turns into talking about a book you've read, talks, you know, talking about a case that you're dealing with. And as long as you keep connected, you know, you don't necessarily have to tap in every day, every week, but as long as you're connected and it's a true connection, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, feeble or fake, then when you hit me up or someone hits me up and says, hey, do you know a person? Yes, I do. Because you already built that connection. Yes. And it may not be something that you, like you say, you pour into every single day or every single week, but you've laid that foundation and you felt comfortable. Just kind of going to that. So you have entered into fatherhood. Who do you look for in this idea of like submitting or following someone of excellence who have been there before? Did you go out and find a dad who somebody that you saw being a father, fathering well and say, hey, teach me how to do that? Yes and no. So uh, a mentor early in my life told me that with every a male relationship you have you can pick the good out and recognize why the bad is the bad okay 
And so it's, it's not that you focus on the bad, but you acknowledge the bad is there and, and figure out why it's bad. And so my own father built that relationship throughout my whole life, right? Great father, follow up with him. I ask him questions. My late grandfather, when he, before he passed, constantly asking questions. I remember lessons that he gave me. I remember things that he did. Jeremy's father, consistently talking to him about things, watching how he raised. I mean, you don't, I don't necessarily have people that I'm consistently asking questions of. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm using the foundation of knowledge I've built. I've always wanted to be a father. Like, you know, as a young kid, it may sound weird, but like my idea of success was to be able to look myself in the mirror, be happy with the person I saw, and be a good father and husband. Really? That if, if, if I could look myself in the mirror, be proud of the man that's standing in front of that mirror, be a good husband and a good father. You're successful. I'm successful. That's what's up. That's a good way to define success. I, I mean, you know, a lot of people define it by money or what I, materialistic things, what I have. But How do you define it? Mm, depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was trying to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> but I would agree to a certain to I, I would agree that it, it is about like being being a good husband, being a good being a good dad. That's what I really really do find value find value find value in. So um, one of the things that we Pat, you are a litigator, and I was trying to ask because every time I hear that somebody's a lawyer, I always be like, I didn't realize how many different forms of law there is. But like, Pat, what kind of law do you actually practice? I, on any given day, can be uh, doing contract disputes, criminal defense, personal injury, medical malpractice, plaintiff. Uh, I litigate. So there are so many areas of law. I subscribe to an old mindset. I'm an old soul. And... There are the mindset today is you you become an attorney and you find your niche and, and you, you do stick, it well. Right. I'm of the mindset that you should be able to pick up a phone and call me because I'm your attorney. I'm your lawyer. For whatever the issue is. For whatever, whatever the issue is. If you've been injured in an accident, call back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, if you if you I are, always think about that show Suits. Have y'all oh, seen that, suits? Yeah. So right. Pat, is that is that a that that's the life you live? Somewhat. I mean, you know, I'm not drinking liquor in my office, <laughs> you know, doing illegal, you know, but but it is. So I I like to be the guy. Like you call me and you say, Hey, I have this problem, and I say, All right, I'll fix it. And if I can't fix it, my hope is that I've built such a good network that I can still connect you to the person who fixes it, and in some weird way. I still fixed your problem. No, you still fixed it. Yeah, you helped you them find a solution. Could, you were the connector, so I would say that, that that you still that you still fixed it. So, so this is the thing, Pat. I sit here, I see you with your little vest on, your little button down. <laughs> you're back in town for your HBCU homecoming. You got your son out there, little adorable kid. Got your wife. And one of the things that we were kind of talking about uh, before we started podding, and I thought it was a uh, a different mindset, was you just have a different idea of how you live your life. And I think that that's something that 
would add value to the listeners of the podcast. So can you detail for us exactly that thought process? Sure. It's, uh, I guess the theme of it is no leftovers. No leftovers. Buddy and I, talking about it a few years back, came up with the concept. Uh, I'm not sure if he had piggybacked off of somebody else. No, no, no. You coined it. No, you coined I'm, it. I'm, so I'm, they, say, they say, this is the thing. They say, the first time you say it, you give credit. The second time you say it, it's yours. Well, <laughs> it, it's no it's leftovers. It's about to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this me next week. See, the problem is, you like leftovers. No, no, no. So, I, the reason, you know, right now... I am, and I'm not doing this to brag. I'm just showing you my. No, I'm not bragging. No, so I am the upcoming president of the Young Lawyers Division of the Memphis Bar Association. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's go. Say, say it again. I will be president of the Young Lawyers Division of the Memphis Bar Association this upcoming. Actually, next week I take over. Presidential Pat is a lifestyle, not just the name. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, I'm also, I, I was recently uh, awarded Best of the Bar in Tennessee, Memphis area. Super lawyers. I, I have all these things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm on boards. I'm talking, doing speeches, everything. My plate is full, but I don't have any leftovers. There is not any part of my life that is lacking because of what's on my plate. And so the concept, because it's easier to think about it as a plate, when you're young, you go to a potluck or, you know, a buffet or dinner, even you don't really get to order your own food until you're a certain age. You don't, you don't get to decide what goes on your plate, right? Your mother, your father, your auntie, uncle, grandma, someone puts the food on your, puts the food on your plate and tells you eat it. You might not eat it all. Maybe you eat it all up, but it wasn't your decision. Right. Eventually, you get to an age where you decide what goes on your plate. All of us, as we sit here right now, there is probably only one or two people in our lives we will allow to make our plate when we go to those events. My wife can make my plate. Facts. My mother and grandmother can still, to some extent, (laughs) make my plate. Right. But that's about it. No one else is out here putting food on my plate, telling me I have to eat something. And so when you think about that, we're not supposed to be gluttonous mm-hmm. and we should never be hungry. Okay. So, so you're not, you shouldn't be weighed down over. Your plate shouldn't be overflowing, but no. then your plate shouldn't be lacking. It shouldn't be empty. Yeah. You shouldn't, you know, well, I ate two bites because I, in the concept of your life. So if you're very successful at something that isn't actually filling Right. Have you done anything? You know, have you actually changed the world in a better way? Are you successful? Uh, So that's the I'm still hungry. You know, somebody who doesn't put a lot on their plate because they don't want to feel overwhelmed or they don't want to do a lot. And so then they actually aren't fulfilled. They're still always looking for something, but they're afraid to put more on their plate. And then you have the people that they're late to meetings. They're missing assignments they forget things you know and those are the folks whose plate <laughs> is too full watch about <laughs> <laughs> i feel personally attacked go on but, and so the the thought process is you should every week daily monthly whatever it is to do your own comfort intake look 
say what's on my plate uh-huh. am i going to eat everything on my plate did i intend to put that on my plate did it accidentally get there did i reach for dessert that i wasn't supposed to have is it healthy that's the last part of the whole plate idea because you can have a full plate eat it all and have no sustenance N- nothing besides <laughs> You know, or all no fiber, you know, and and so you want to make sure to be healthy and to be able to live your adult life the way it's supposed to, that you have no leftovers. You've made your plate. You've said as a grown up, I'm going to eat all this food. I'm not wasting it, not throwing it away, not giving it away because I don't want it anymore. After I took a couple bites of it. No, I'm eating everything that's on my plate. I'm going to make a happy plate. And because I make a happy plate, I'm leading the successful life I intend. So so with that, Pat, even with that, so to make sure that you don't have too much on your plate, um, what what is your rationale in regards to what do you accept? What do you turn away? Whether that's an event, whether that is a, a celebration, like how do you know? Okay, if I go to this, this will make my plate too overflow. How do you know that? Like, what do you, how do you know what to say no to? Right, because, I mean, it sounds like a lot like boundaries. Like, that's just kind of what I hear in my head when I'm thinking about a plate. But even how you started the uh, analogy, you were uh, listing all of the things that you're doing, right? right? So it's a lot of different things that you end up putting on your plate. How do you go about that? First and foremost, does it, take away from my morals okay does it change me in a way that i'm not happy um with who is in that mirror right uh does it is it in line with god is it aligned with my lifestyle that i set out which to be you know like i said a happy house you know wife son so if it's taking me away from my family it's a no-go it's a no-go unless it's in a way that's going to make the time that i do spend with my family better Okay. So there is, you know, I'm not willing, I I am willing to have a moment sacrifice for a lifetime in paradise. Right. That's fine. I'm not willing to sacrifice paradise for this little moment. Mm. Okay. I'm talking about. Okay. That's that's deep. That is deep. (laughs) That is deep. So, so you have to, you go about everything where you say, okay, I can say yes to this. I can say no to this. It sounds like you're also a part of like several different organizations whether you're leading them or whether you're just a member of those organizations how do you how do you balance that how do you keep track of everything that's on your calendar or on your plate well so it goes back how i actually got the presidential pat tag in undergrad we were talking about my hbcu i was the student government president i was president of the mphc and I was president of my chapter. So I was three levels of president. At the same time. At one time. And that molded, and I was a presidential scholar for my scholarship. So I had so many duties, obligations to juggle at an early age, you know, 18, 19, 20. It taught me boundaries. It taught me how to use a calendar you you can't miss a an important meeting right <laughs> you can't miss a speaking engagement you know i benefit today from having an amazing assistant i love her to death she makes my life so much simpler 
um, things pop up on my calendar and it's because she's read in an email where something has been scheduled and I might have missed it in that moment, but she's caught it. That helps. My wife being so supportive. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, moral of hey, the story. Get, get you an assistant. Get you some friends that got assistance. Uh, Y'all wife. out here with friends that need assistance. <laughs> and we got a friend that has an assistant. Asset over liability. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love that life for you. No, no, no. Um, my wife being as supportive as she is, extremely helpful. I mean, there have been times where I'm coming in right at the end of bath time to put Junior down, and it's okay because she held it down. Right. She knew where I was, what I had, what I was doing, and how it's benefiting our family. And so she was, you know, willing to sacrifice an evening with me because, in the end, that's what you know. I'm sacrificing time with her but she's allowing that sacrifice right as well so that foundation uh i wouldn't be able to do any of it without her so is it safe to say that you for everything that you do you have a strong why behind it you're not just doing it because it sounds good you're not just doing it because it may feel good but you have a specific why behind it oddly no really yeah so you know, we were talking earlier and you asked me, uh, do I, you know, am I intentional about things? And I'm intentional in the way that I make sure it doesn't detract. But I will, if someone tells me there's something in a room, I'm willing to stick my head in that room, see what the room, the vibe is, figure it out, and then make a decision on okay. whether or not it it vibes with if me. The opportunity you're not closed off to the opportunity. No, no, it doesn't always have to start with a specific why am I? And it never. I God is great because I have not intentionally done a lot. <laughs> um, but I feel like that, like, like even just the mindset of the plate analogy that's intentionality right right like there's levels there's levels to everybody ain't that right? intentional path but that there's a level of intentionality there to even say that's how you're going to approach life right like it's not it's not whimsical like you just go you're not just showing up every day and like going with the flow per se because you have a a structure that allows you to uh operate from this yes um i i would agree with that I just so one of the things I'm currently on a board for an organization in the city of Memphis. I did not honestly know that board existed before I was asked if I would be interested in serving on that mm-hmm. board. I did the research. It was in line with things that I wanted to do in line with my morals standing what I want to build in the city of Memphis. Yeah, put my head in, you know, I, or my name in the head. I'd like to see if I can, you know, do that end up passing muster getting in now i'm serving on that board and it is amazing but it was there was nothing necessarily intentional about i want to be on that board let me make sure i'm in this room let me make sure i'm talking to this person i just was living my life in a way that i would hope makes the most high happy makes my wife happy gives my son something to look up to and then the the chips dominoes fall where they may so, Pat, you've mentioned a, a couple of different instances that it has to align with your morals, like your moral compass. Where does that come from for you? Like, I know for a lot of people, it may start off with our parents, our grandparents. But like, when did you define what your morals look like from a spiritual perspective, 
personally for yourself? Really, when I started living with Jeremy. Of course. St. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Saint> Jeremy. <laughs> so I had some foundation of it from my mm. family. Um, my grandfather, I said, instrumental in a lot of what I do. My father, big. But once I moved in with Jeremy and his family and saw how dedicated to God Mr. Joseph was. Right. And saw how he was willing to walk wherever God told him to walk to do whatever God told him to do and saw how it then filtered down to his family. I knew that there was no way to have a successful life the way I define success without that kind of structure. Wow. Wow. Dang. Just that just seeing somebody do it. It just makes you realize that like how important, how important that actually is. Of just seeing somebody doing it. Seeing it on a daily level. Right. Um, because, like I said, my grandfather was in the same mold. Like, like he was strict adherence follower of God, but I didn't see it every day. You know, you know I'd see it when I was around him. Right. I'd, I'd see the benefit of it as it filtered through our family. But living in that house, in the Joseph household, and seeing how they prayed together every day, how they, you know, were going to church two, three times a week, how we're, you know, sometimes even more. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, how important God was to everything and then seeing the benefit of it, seeing the cup overflow, seeing, you know, success as I defined it. I was like, all right, that's what that's what I got to do. Let's get it. Dang, bro. That's big. I um, so I think the I, I think for you, Pat, you may not say that you've been super intentional, but I would argue the opposite and say that you are super intentional. My question for y'all is because I was just thinking about life the other day. I was watching this video and the entire concept was building a life that you love. Mm -hmm. And his idea was that a lot of people are living a life that they don't necessarily love. And I had a question in regards to that. Have you guys been intentional about building a life that you love? Or do you think that you have been a passive participant in building said life. What do y'all think? I think that I think that my answer to that is there's been ebbs and flows. Okay. So I Why think there's ebbs and flows. Because I think there's there have been times in my life where I've been super intentional and like I'm taking a I'm an active participant, but then there's also been times where I have let let off the gas. Okay. And I've um, kind of just like kicked back and enjoyed life. And so um more recently here I would definitely say I've been a more active participant. Probably within the early twenties, passive. Okay, life, life was happening. Life, life was happening. Life was happening to me. But I think overall, I would say active for sure because that is something like I'm typically a more of an intentional type of a person, and so I approach things from the lens of kind of like Pat was talking about, just thinking about my upbringing. Like there was always um, a moral compass that is guiding me. And so I use that moral compass to guide me to where it is that I want to go. So I'm approaching things from an intentionality standpoint. Early on, I recognize that the decisions that you make have consequences, you know, and how you approach those decisions and how you approach um, the world around you is going to shape who you become. Right. right. And so, like, I had that mindset in pretty much everything I did, which was why I approached 
the academics the way I approach academics, which is why I approach um, my relationship with God the way I approach my relationship with God. I can't do anything without God. So like that intentionality there makes me already show up from a, like a, a proactive standpoint. And um, I recognize whenever you have a whenever you're more passive, other people are essentially managing your life. Right. Right. And so if, if I had to recognize, like, if I really want to take ownership of the life that I really want to live or who it is that I truly want to become, I have to be active in it. Like, I have to say, wake up and say, I'm going to take the take on the responsibility or take the onus of this and, and build it out. Am I where I want to be? No, but I'm definitely taking active steps into developing that, especially now more so. Um, I think part of that is recognizing what Pat said earlier. Like whenever you have looking at life through the lens of what's on your plate, seeing the importance of having those boundaries and and not putting too much on the plate that now makes it counterproductive. Right. right? Right. So, Pat, what about you? Would you say that you have built a life you love? Have you been an active participant in that or an or passive participant in that? So there was a time in my life, a full semester, actually, of undergrad, where if I had a decision to make, I'd boil it down to two options and then I would flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> That's Okay. Two out of three wins, heads or tails. Let's go. Okay, so what what would be the options? Like, go to this party. Don't go to this party. Sometimes. So you would leave reckless stuff as fifty percent. I have a tattoo because one day I was like, I think I want to get a tattoo today. Should I get a tattoo? I don't know. Let's flip a coin. <laughs> Let me flip a coin, and the coin says, "Go get a tattoo." Yep. So I would agree that that is being super active in the decision making process. I don't know if that was active. I would say I was, that's opposite of active. Right. I was just leaving it up to well, a flip of active, a coin. Active in the in the idea that you know the measure may not necessarily be the best thing, especially if you're leaving the latter option on the table. You leaving it up for chance. But I'm saying in terms of being so thoughtful about it to say. I'm going to make an intentional decision, even if it's just me flipping this coin. I would argue that a lot of people are not that active. It's almost like you wake up and life just happens to you and you just go with the flow. So I would argue that that's what a lot of people end up doing. That's fair. I did have a period of time after I graduated undergrad uh, where stuff was happening to me because I've refused to take an active part of doing anything. I was just living. Yeah. And it quickly quickly started to spiral and i had an lsat score that was sitting there about to go stale i sent an application to university of memphis law school the only school i applied to they said come on over i (laughs) went (laughs) and everything changed well see even in that you were you were you were living passively and then you became active so i would argue that uh, I think when I was younger, I was super active in it. College, I was super active in regards to like painting a life that I loved. And I only did things that I loved. When I got out of school, I think that's where like, I started to become more passive and started to just allow things that happened to me. It's almost as if when you get into the real world, it's like, uh, it's less about love and I got to do what I got to do. And I think that became my mindset. And so what I think um, what I think is good is when you can become active in your life. And so there's a test that you can take, a, 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 a fake test that you can take called the fast forward test. And the whole idea is 
take a day in your life in which each thing that you do, if you have the option to fast forward to the end so you can get to the end of it, then that's probably something that you don't need to be doing. So if you're at your job and you wake up every day and you go to work and you say, hmm, if I would if I could, I would fast forward through this so I could get home. That's probably um, an area that you necessarily do not love. Like you mm-hmm. haven't built your career to be an area that you love. If uh, you are in a relationship and you are like, mm, I would fast forward through this time <laughs> that we spend together because I'm trying to get back to the J-O-B so I can get out of this house. That's probably not a relationship that you have built um, you have built to love, you know what I'm saying? And so the whole idea with that fast forward test is that you can take it. And if you want to fast forward instead of living in that moment, then this probably means that you have not built that area, that particular area. So here are some areas in your life that you can break down guys. You can do it by health, work, money, career, relationships, and then spiritually mission and purpose. And so the whole idea is, Step one, you want to identify um, on a scale of one to ten, where are you in these areas? Mm-hmm. Are you a two? Are you a ten? In each area. In each area. If you're a ten in that area, you're, you've built that area up really nice. You love that area. If you're a two or a five or whatever you deem isn't worthy enough or not good enough, then that's an area that you want to take one small step in. So if it's your health, then you want to do something. You want to say, okay. I am not where I want to be health wise. Let me take what is one step that I can do to push me closer to where I want to be. And so the first step is identifying where you are in that area. The second step is to experiment, like try out one thing, try out another thing, try out a third thing. And then ultimately, the fourth step is iterate. Uh, When you do something, if it worked, Keep doing it. If it did not work, rework it and do it again. And ultimately, you are starting to build a life that you love. And I just was watching this video and I thought it was good because um, I just think as we wrap up this year, because this year went by really quickly, I think a lot of people are going to be in the exact same spot telling themselves <laughs> the exact same uh, goals that they have and what they want to do. And I think this would help people kind of identify their life. Uh-huh. Help them. It makes sense. It's actually funny as you were describing the steps. I couldn't help but think about Coop and how he's like, "I like to fail immediately, yes, so that I can then Coop rework it yep. and go after it again." Yeah, and that's exactly what it sounded like, and that why he's always happy with what he's doing. <laughs> you know what? That is actually very true. When we think about like people who have built their life i can think about so many people that we know in our immediate circle who i would say have built a life that they love i would argue that econ has built a life that he loves i have never i never see that man down he always wants to do what he's doing i would also say he's an active participant in his life he's an active participant he's always been like that and so when you think about an econ when you think about a coop um, these are people who have been super active and they have worked really hard to build that life and they have tried, failed, tried again. So they've done the experimenting process and ultimately it's helped them to build that life. And so for everybody listening to the podcast, that's our goal and our hope for you that you build a life that you love. And so if you want to fast forward through anything, maybe it's time to reassess. 
So, guys, that is the end of the, the podcast. We got presidential Pat. We want to let him be free so that he can go live his HBCU uh, weekend, <laughs> the best of his HBCU weekend. But, Pat, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. Ah uh, man, I appreciate y'all letting me be here again. That's presidential pad. If y'all enjoyed, <laughs> we ain't got to that right yet. Oh no, I just I was why letting... why he plugging himself early. <laughs> I just wanted the listeners to understand that if this is something they enjoyed, let me know because you know maybe I can start something. You know, since you, since you want to let the listeners know something, how about you let the listeners know the soundbite of the week? Right. <laughs> He always trying to take over our stuff. <laughs> you know, so the soundbite of the week is planning for tomorrow doesn't replace action today. Say that again. I knew you was going to say that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, planning for tomorrow doesn't replace action today. Planning for tomorrow doesn't replace action today. What does that mean, Pat? When I hear it, it means that if all you do today is plan about tomorrow and you do nothing today. <laughs> <laughs> no actual steps. No actual steps to make those plans come to fruition. Then all you have done is waste today. You mm, have that's good. wasted time. Yep. Because frankly, as we know from recent events, tomorrow is not promised. It is not promised, man. It is not promised. And Pat. We appreciate that, man. We appreciate it. I, we can't leave the podcast without saying RIP to take off a yeah. part of the Migos. That was something that's sad that happened this week. And I don't know about y'all, but it kind of hit me as a black man seeing another black man lose his life. And so um, it's just tragic, man. And so we just RIP to him. Hey, guys, we are just so thankful that you have tapped into another episode of the Soundboard Podcast. Please, if you have not already, please follow us on Instagram at the Soundboard Podcast. That's where um, we are building our community now going on almost two years. And so we would love for you to come join and be a part of that. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now, Please leave us a rating and review if you have not. Also, man, share this podcast with a friend. Maybe you know somebody who got too much on a plate. Share this with them. Maybe you know somebody who always complaining because they ain't necessarily built a life that they love. Share this episode with them because we believe that it will provide value to them. It's your main man, Dante. You can follow me at Dante Speaks Life. That's D-O-N-T-A-E Speaks Life. You can follow me, your boy JJ, at underscore Jeremy J. And you can follow me, Presidential Pat. It's more than a name. It's a state of mind. <laughs> and we out. Peace.